Hi, everyone. This is Bill Knauer, and you're listening to Author to Author, where we talk about writing and life. Because what it takes to write the book you want to write is also what it takes to lead the life you want to lead. It's true. Author to Author is brought to you by Author Magazine, the premier free writing magazine on the internet featuring articles on writing and the writing life, as well as video interviews with best-selling and award-winning authors across the genres. Last month, we had Richard Powers, Pulitzer Prize-winning novelist, author of um, Overstory, uh, among other things. And then now my conversation with uh, Daniel Handler, a.k.a. Lemony Snicket. If you can check that out at authormagazine.org. And we're funded by the good people at the Pacific Northwest Writers Association, supporting writers from pen to publication since 1955. You can go learn about them at pnwa.org. Well, man, what a great conversation I had with Sabrina Benaim. She's a poet, storyteller, and workshop facilitator. She is one of the most viewed spoken word poets of all time. Her videos have reached more than 100 million people. In 2017, her debut collection, Depression and Other Magic Tricks, was a Goodreads Choice Award finalist. And uh, in 2020, she took part in the Heavy Hitters Festival alongside Ani DeFranco, Amber Tamblin, and Mary Lambert. And man, we had such a great conversation about writing and life and and uh, mental health and performance. And ah, it was just great. And I'm so glad I get to share it with you now. Enjoy. Sabrina. Welcome. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Bill. Well, okay. So for people, some people really know you. <laughs> yeah. Listeners who like really know you, but there's going to be people probably over 40 who have never heard of you. Perhaps, perhaps. I, I don't know if the breakdown is like that, but I get the sense it kind of cuts that way a little bit in terms of slam poetry. So um, you explain, so you're, you're a poet, and you know, author, obviously, uh, a, a live, a, a spoken word performer. Would you describe yourself that way? Slam yeah. poetry is interesting, isn't it? Because it's such a hybrid experience. How would you describe it? I've got my theories. I want to hear your description of what it is, because it's sort of a mixture of things, I'd say. Yeah, it's definitely electric, I would say. That's one word I would use to describe it. But yeah. It's a good hybrid of like storytelling and poetry and just like oral tradition, I think, which is really beautiful. Yeah, and it also asks of the artist, I, I feel like you are a cousin to the singer songwriter because it, it asks of you to be a writer and to, but really to be absolutely equal parts performer. Like it doesn't work if, cause I, I've been to poetry readings and sometimes <laughs> the poet is not as, is compelling a reader or performer as they are a writer. It's a different skill set, right? Right. And but for the but for the slam poet, it is absolutely written with the with performing in mind, right? Yeah. Is at it, some point or other, you're thinking about the performance, whether it's while you're writing it or after the fact. You're like, oh, that could be a performance poem. So um, I became aware of slam poetry. I, poetry was sort of my entree into really understanding writing, uh, but this was back in the 80s when I don't think slam poetry, if it was happening, it was really in its nascent form. And I first became aware of it and knew it wasn't really a fit for what I was doing. 
and so, but I was interested because I saw it as a means of like, oh, they're going to actually reach people. This is pretty cool. You know, they're going to make a show of this. And so talk to me about how did you come become aware of it? How did you get interested in it? How did that come across your prowl? I, mean, I always watched videos on YouTube. I guess I, I when I was interested in but it. Like I, how young I was were you watching? But, I mean, I was reading poetry before I was watching spoken word on uh -huh. YouTube, right? Like um, I was reading far before. And then it wasn't until someone uh, like Sarah Kay put out a TED talk or Rudy Francisco kind of started being all over YouTube where I started paying more attention to spoken word poetry specifically. What were you reading? Uh, in high school, I actually like think Walt Whitman is what opened me into poetry. Um, yeah. um, Leaves of Grass is like sure. one of one of the OGs for me, but <laughs> then it was, it got into like, um, Anne Sexton and, you know, I, and then I found my way into more modern stuff. So. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So you were just interested in poetry in general, and then you noticed people doing it. And, and when did the thought pop into your young mind? Like, I want to do that. I want to get up behind that microphone. It never really did, but what no. happened was I, in 2013, I had a tumor in my throat, the size of a squash ball. And my best friend said to me, I think it's because you swallow everything you want to say and write it down instead of saying it out loud. And he was like, you should just do like spoken word poetry. It's like a thing now. And wow. so I signed up for a spoken word workshop in Toronto. And How that, old were you? How old I was you? 23. Wow. And you had this tumor. And it was making it hard to breathe, I assume? No, it's hard to swallow. I could feel it when okay, I Okay, I see it was in that yeah. pipe. Okay. Yeah. Wow. And I assume it went away by some uh, means? Yeah, I had surgery. Right. <laughs> it's gone now. Well, um, but it was really that experience that brought me to like, oh, maybe I should try talking out loud uh, my feelings. That Okay, so that is interesting. What a wise friend you had. Yes. <laughs> wow, he, he knew you well. He does, yeah. Yeah, you know, I, I actually, you know, I think there is so much truth to that. Uh, my wife would go through this thing when she was feeling like she wasn't speak, she would start like feeling choked in her, mm -hmm. her throat. And I do think it's a real thing that your body is such a great instrument to talk to you about what you're thinking and what you're doing. Okay, so you got up there and guys, scary, scary stuff. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, uh, if you're used to having it like all in there, did you have any... Um, I'm working with a guy who actually who teaches people. He used to had been a stand up comedian. Now he teaches people how to communicate, like corporate people and stuff. And he says people will show up to his workshops drunk. They are so scared of yeah. getting up and telling a story. So did you I have any that. of that, or was you kind of natural to it? Um, I think it was more of like uh, like going on a roller coaster where I was really afraid. Yeah. Leading up to it. But then once I did it, it was so much fun and so relieving to speak and just like a full body experience performing a poem. And yeah. it was a lot of it was really nice. And so um, I think after that, I, I just wanted to do it again. Oh, see, so you got bit by the bug. So you're scared, of course, because you don't know what's going to happen. But then you get up there and you kind of lose yourself, don't you? Yeah, you just kind of surrender for you that. Do. I always tell I always tell people that I like public speaking. Uh, it's been a I just, I love it. And I, but I feel, I get nervous a little, but I always say I feel transparent. Like I, I have to feel like I'm just, I kind of go away in a lot of ways. Does that make, does that resonate with you? That's exactly it. Yeah. And especially with a poem, you get to step into a piece of work that you've created. It's not necessarily, um, 
how you're feeling in the moment. It, right. It, no. Right. So it's, it's a fun exercise as well for you. It's to absolutely a piece of theater. It's theater. Yeah. I'm sorry. That's what it is because you're writing about something that was real to you when you were, I mean, was, was alive to you in the moment you're writing, but then you have to go back in and live it again. You have right. to re go back into that mode. Now, did you study theater at all? Did you study acting to try to, or you just learned through the performance? I didn't. I actually grew up dancing competitively. Ah. So I performed quite a bit. Ah. Up just ah. not speaking. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And of course your stuff is like most slam poetry. Again, I'm not steeped in it, but all the stuff I've experienced, it tends to be pretty personal, pretty first person. It's almost always first person ish. Right. It seems and like this is my experience and really speaking about their lives. That seems to be the tradition so far. It will change, I'm sure, because everything does. But your stuff, very personal. And you blew up because of some very personal poems you wrote, you know, in nature. And so you have to get up there and you're talking about your own experiences, you know, your own at your sort of most vulnerable, your depression and your heartbreak and just relationships. But you kind of have to not. But like I said, you have to both represent, take from your life and sort of not be there saying, look at me, look at me, look at me, right? It doesn't have to, both things have to be almost like you're a character. Does that make sense? Yeah, it, it, you kind of become a character of yourself or, yeah. um, well, I, there's this, I, I would say like the, the speaker of the poem is not necessarily me, even though ah. I'm I. Yes, yeah. I like it. This is so interesting. Sabrina, I am fascinated by this because when I started writing memoir and personal essay, which is really what I do, the first thing I thought about was my poetry because I thought poetry is a form of memoir in a way. It's taking a first person. And, and the thing I always tell my students is that person on the page or that guy on the page that I'm writing about named Bill is not me. Right. I'm me. He is a work of art that I'm conveying. Does that, and that sounds like the same sort of thing you're doing. Yeah, exactly. A lot of the times in my poems, you know, things will happen in the poem that happened, but they didn't happen the way they're happening in the poem, but they did happen in my life in a different ah, way. Ah, you're taking some liberties. You, ha you have to. Why not? This isn't liberties. journalism. No, you're telling the truth. It's just in, maybe not yes. with the truth. <laughs> well, absolutely. I think, I think some of your fans would be alarmed to learn that. <laughs> I, mean, I hate to say, but that's the nature of it. That is the nature. So you had an experience. So as I understand it, so 2014, you enter the Toronto Poetry Slam and you read a poem uh, telling my mother about my depression. Is that the... Or, yeah, explaining my depression the, to my mother. Explaining my depression to my mother is the poem. And this goes kind of global, doesn't it kind of blow up on it? Because they goes on YouTube, I assume, is what happens, right? Yeah, so I performed this poem on the Toronto Poetry Slam team in Oakland at the National Poetry Slam. Oh, you came from the, oh, is that how it works? There's a yeah. team? Oh my There's God, okay, so all right, I'm sorry, it. I didn't realize. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, um, you compete, it's like a season that you compete on, so you just perform every week, you get points if you win, and then the, the top people make the team, and- Okay, <laughs> I didn't realize, oh yeah, God, okay. Um, which I will say it's very fun, but like, I'm not a especially um, competitive person. So it, it was difficult for me to compete sometimes with like such personal work. Right. Like, it's a weird yeah. thing to yeah. make, but it's a lot of fun. And we ended up performing it in the semifinals of the National Poetry Slam in Oakland. And then that video went up months later um, uh, onto YouTube. And when it did go up, it went quite viral. Yeah. 
And so I assume your life changed at that point a little in terms certain in certain aspects of your life changed at that point. You're Honestly, my whole life changed. It, it was wild because yeah. the thing was, in a way, it changed things for me um, personally so much more than it did just to have my career kind of take yeah. a different course because nobody really knew that I had depression or anxiety or was dealing with oh, in my yeah. life right. until that poem went viral. And it was um, quite overwhelming, to be honest, for everyone to learn at once. When you say everyone, do you mean your friends and your more extended family? Yeah, my family? family, my extended family, my friends, everyone, yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, okay, so, I mean, and think the word, the term mental health has been much in the news for the last, I don't know, five or six years, more of a thing now. Um, did you get, I assume you kind of got brought into that conversation to some degree right. beyond you know poetry. Right, exactly. In a way, I became this like poster for depression. Um, <sighs> I don't know. That was overwhelming when I had been like trying not to be. Right. <laughs> Well, what do you think about that? Because you obviously want to help people with that, but there's more to, you don't want your, it seems to me, yeah. I wouldn't want my whole life to be about depression. It's something you hope to not actually have or not to have to live with. You so what was, yeah, exactly. With ease. So it, it became, it was overwhelming, but it also was really illuminating on how much it helped to talk about it, how yeah. much other people found solace in talking about it, found comfort, saw themselves in the conversation and were yeah. then able to have those conversations with the people they needed to have it with. Sure. Like it really felt like, like it, it, it brought more good than harm to right. the world. And so it, it felt like a good conversation and a good thing to represent and I kind of just embraced it. And now I've only kind of grown because in my relationship with my mental health health because of being so open about it. That's great. And so you, so you ended up like, you you were glad, so you were glad for the conversation in the end, even because you're pretty young. I mean, yeah. you know, something like mental health is generally, it's an older, something you do later on in your life where you really have thought about studying to help people. And there's just a lot of time that comes, but you were so you were just trying to like have a career you were just trying to find yourself like not even have a career does. yeah just try to find myself like I wasn't even trying to have a career I wasn't thinking about it I yeah. I was just I was just yeah figuring myself out and navigating this thing wow. that took off and so but now okay so then the thing goes off so now you're like okay I am a slam poet if I want to be because obviously now you're kind of a celebrity within that community and it's a big enough community did you say good. Like, I want to, like, I want to like, see how far I can go with this poetry thing. Like this feels well, like I had, great... been, I had been always writing poetry since right. high school and just secretly, right. Like keeping it, to <laughs> it, it was just my own thing. And then when the poem went viral, um, what ended Secrets up out. <laughs> yeah, the was out and they at um, button poetry asked me if I wanted to work on a collection with them. And okay. I, had one largely written already right, right. writing poems right. so i i always i always kind of say like it's the opportunity will knock but if you're like prepared when you open the door it's a whole different ball game yeah. you know what i mean versus yeah. and that's what just happened so the opportunity knocked and um and you said um I'm coming in. Yes, I have all these poems. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. so how is that? Because, you know, your your relationship had been live and now you're publishing it. And do you like the experience of sharing the printed? 
I do. I really like it. I think in a lot of ways, holding on to the poems um, keeps them in you longer. Like once you let go of them, they become other people's yes, thing. Yes, they do. Yeah. They do however they want and yeah, they yeah. don't really yours anymore. And there's a yeah. freedom there, which is really nice. Yeah, it's really true. I always think, you know, you, what you, what you went through writing it or performing it is yours, but that's belong. That's your, how you're changed. But then the poem belongs to everybody. I think it's great. I think it's like, cause you know, you want to have a, like, we're not, the, we're not the stuff we're surrounded by isn't who we are, even though we might love that painting or that poem or that shirt or whatever. It's just not who we are. You know, we're a thing in motion, you know? Yeah, exactly. And, and part of the work is letting it go, right? Like the yeah. creation of it is letting it go. And Absolutely. It take on its own life outside of you, which I think yeah. is really um, important to remember when you're writing. Yeah. And um, all right. So, so this is book, is this book number two? It is. Okay. And so what did you just say? Well, I got, I've written a bunch of poems since then. Got a bunch together. Let's publish another. Like what was the story behind the second book? Uh, I was just, yeah, writing. And then I guess what happened was lockdown happened. Oh, yes. Yeah. And my mom got diagnosed with an aneurysm and there was all of these things happening that I was already writing about loneliness and isolation because I had been away from home for like a year. Traveling and, and doing your just, thing. Yeah. Traveling and living and just feeling that anyway. And then I just really leaned into it and I thought, you know what? this collection could be about, it could take place over a month and just really like, we can have a narrative here where wow. I, this time I didn't really have as much of a narrative, you know, because right. it was more of a collection of poems I had been writing my whole life where right. this time around, I got to sit down and really like string them together in a way. Yeah. That so, you know, how was lockdown for you? Because uh, you're someone who likes being, you know, you like being in the public you like doing your thing you can't you can kind of do your thing but it ain't the same no. on zoom as being <laughs> in a in a bar or a, or an auditorium or wherever so how was that for you I like to think I'm an introverted extrovert yeah so, yeah yep yep you know so yep. I think uh, I I really do miss people and crowds and rooms filled <laughs> with breathing bodies I really do miss that but there has been almost a really nice grounding to being in works, like looking inward for as long as we have been now. What is it almost right. two years? Like um, there's something really nice about that. And I it, now that I'm looking toward, especially another collection of poems and I'm writing again, it's really about like, what are all these things I've discovered and what have I unpacked in myself over the yeah. last two years that I wouldn't have if I was moving so much? Yeah. You know, it's so interesting. I think you and I are similar in that way that I also like, you know, it's a dangerous place to be between me and a microphone. if It's there, <laughs> but, and I'm very comfortable. Like I get like that, but man, if I'm not, if I don't get my alone time, I am miserable. Exactly. Like, I just can't like, that's where I actually get my energy. I think I spend it on the stage, but I get it from being, and I think you got, if you want to write, you've got to like to be alone. I don't see, I don't see how you can do it. Totally. Right? You have to, you have to revel in it. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I work with uh, people, I coach them like a life coach kind of, and I work with like public speakers who want to write a book. And what's interesting, I don't know if you've ever talked to people or experienced this where they're like, they, they'll get in front of a crowd and they, they can do it. 
put them in front of a page and they just go mute. If they don't have the client, the workshop, the audience, they don't feel the communication. They don't feel the inspiration. And and I think it's so fascinating because of course I do both and I assume you do both too. You can't, I don't know, do you ever... You ever riff while you're doing your poems? You do always memorize and do it completely. Oh, I totally riff. I'm you do? Spontaneous. Yeah. I'm, I'm oh. Ex- I'm really bad at planning something exactly and executing it, like in, in terms of performance. Like yeah. I can plan the poems because I've written them and they I know how they're supposed to go. Yeah. But like, in between, let's say, like oh, I can't plan yeah. my banter. I can't, yeah. like, I, I'm very bad at doing that. I have to be spontaneous. No, you're not that. bad at it. You have discovered your strength. The first time yeah. I listen, the first time I gave a public talk, I was like, that was fine, but I want to never have a plan if I can. I want exactly. to be able to do this from whatever is present in that moment. You yes. know? I'm exactly like that. So yeah, I no, that's if, yeah. Yeah, because you especially you read the palm, then you're filled up with the energy of it. And the audience's reaction, and then you can just you can work off of that if you are willing to trust that in front of a live crowd. That's all it is. It's just trust, right? Like it's just being a little bit vulnerable and trusting the 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 room. Yeah, it's exciting. I would think it is. It's really exciting. Yeah, and I do miss touring and doing shows more. I would say. Where do you like? And this is kind of a weird practical question, but like, where do you do them? I mean, because like, like, how do you book them? Is it sort of like a stand-up comedian would book shows, essentially? Yeah, it's like smaller bars, um, smaller venues, like little theaters. Right. Because you yeah. can't get 10,000 people yet, probably. No, I think the biggest show I've done, I did it with two other poets, and there was like 700 people. Yeah, that's a lot for poetry. That's reading. a lot for poetry, exactly. Yeah. Oh, yeah, God. Yeah, that's a lot. It's funny with authors, you know, I, I inter- used to interview them at bookstores, and like some really big name authors would come and I'd look and there'd be like 10 people sitting there. It's, I mean, especially like fiction, like literary fiction writers, these poor people, they have great readership, but those people do not always show up to hear them give their readings. It's a different relationship. It is different. And I think YouTube has made that possible where like you can see the performance ahead of time. And now when people come to see me, they kind of know what they're getting. It's, it's, It's so much like the relationship to a musical performer exactly you know it's it's you kind of do the same thing and i was marveling at it i have to say i quite liked i was i was watching your performances and i thought it's i was just listening because i didn't have the script i didn't have the text in front of me obviously and i thought this could be an essay and that what's interesting about what you can do is you can it can be very prosaic in the in sense it could just be it is just prose essentially broken up but because it's a slam poem you can slip into the poem when it wants it. And then you can go back into prose and say, and you're allowed to do both. You, when if you're doing straight prose, you cannot do like on the page, it wouldn't work. It would be too awkward. And yeah. so it seems like, I thought, what freedom. She gets to sort of be both essayist and poet simultaneously. Uh, you get it. Yeah, that's, exa- that's exactly it. You get to slip in and out yeah. when you're performing, which you, you just don't get to do on the page, which uh, well, it's- Even in the written form, it's like, if I'm writing prose, it's got, I can't really start rhyming. If I, or I can't, I can't, I, but when you're in the poetry form, you not necessarily rhyming, but you can take certain liberties and we accept it, right? In terms of poetic liberties. Yeah. You can play with your cadence throughout. You can change the rhythm up and you can absolutely do that in a poem. Oh yeah. It's great. 
It's very cool. I, I really, you know, one of the things I love, I think that slam poetry, what we call slam poetry, I think has done, which is so important, has revived the sort of musicality and energy of poetry, which I think started getting a little stayed, I, I feel like, through my childhood. It wasn't, I would do poetry readings and I'd love it. And I was, I was kind of an actor, so I would, you know, put on a show for people and they liked it because it was entertaining. But I do feel like it brought the energy back to it kind of borrowed from rock and roll and hip hop, I think, to some degree, just that what was possible. But um, I just think it's great. I think it's 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 made it relevant in a way in people's lives. Oh. that it wasn't really before before or was maybe becoming a little less relevant. Absolutely. I think you're right. And I also think, you know, we have shorter attention spans these days. That's just what it really? is. Really? Yes, believe that? Absolutely. You we believe do. that? I do believe it. <laughs> okay. And I, in terms of in terms of. Um, getting hooked on something like um a po a poem that's three minutes long that packs a punch that you're performing it's just a a nice package yeah. way to get like into some poetry it's not yeah. necessarily you know I hope it's not the only poetry you're taking in I hope it's just like a gateway drug into right right well it is I think also the personal nature of it is helpful because it's it's really telling a story about something that saying, if you've gone through this, here's something that you might have gone through that I went through too. And so let's talk about it. And so there isn't the sort of sort of artifice of, especially academia. I feel like it got a little, I feel like poetry got a little tied up with academia um, somewhere. I think still, it still definitely has those roots yeah. in place, but there is a lot more accessible places you can get poetry from now yeah. where I think there just wasn't before, you know? So you list yourself as a workshop facilitator also. What workshops are you facilitating? What is being facilitated in those workshops? Uh, so a lot of poetry is being facilitated. Uh -huh. We're usually looking at poems, reading them, talking about the tools that they could give us in our work to then use in our own writing. And then we write together. Yeah. And so I've done them. I've been doing them all over the place throughout the last couple of years, more so just they've all yeah. been virtual. Um, but right now, nothing. There will probably be one this winter. You like it? I love it. Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. writing community is brilliant. Yeah, I know. It's, it's where I, the waters I've been swimming in for the last 10 years. And, and uh, it's, I, I, don't you think there's something about people that the vulnerability they have to bring when they're trying to face a blank page and say, what do I think deserves to be? What do I want to put there? There's, they, they so put themselves out there. I love the, the sort of tenderheartedness of that workshop experience when I've taught, led them and taught them. Yeah, it, it definitely brings out a trust in people where they have to trust themselves yeah. first and then they have to trust everybody else second. And I, I think you, you, you get to work on that trust throughout the workshop with the, the work you're bringing into it. You know, yeah. if you're going to read something really vulnerable, you have to have trust in everybody that they're going to hold that for you. And it's, it's a really good exercise in putting yourself out there. And I really admire people that take that chance. Have you, you know, I, I, I've had to learn because, you know, I write, I teach memoir and personal essay and people always bring the stories of just, you know, you're going to write about the darkest times, usually the stuff you had to get through. And so I love when people write about that. I am not put off by it. I think it's interesting and it's what should be written about. But uh, I do realize there is a kind of energy you have, to, I feel like you have to bring to the room to let people feel like they can share it. Does that resonate with you? Absolutely. You have to build that 
that at the beginning of the workshop, I think with yeah everybody and you have to create not only a space that allows for that experience, but also encourages it, right? Like you, you don't need to say, um, you know, right. I've, I've been in workshops where they're like, please don't bring me more than I can hold. And that, you know, it's, it's hard to kind of go into yourself when you know that there's, um, what am I, what's the word I'm looking for? Like a shallow, <laughs> you know, barrier and you, you can't go further than that. It's hard to do that in your work, but yeah. it's really encouraging when someone's like, listen, we don't always have to write about trauma, but maybe today we do. And that's okay. That's allowed. Like, let's go. I, I think you're going to have to write about, I mean, you, can, you don't have to call it trauma, although right. it might be, but you got to write about something where there's a problem. There's got to be a problem. Some kind of conflict. There's yeah. got to be something. I mean, it can be, it can be, I always said that like the first time I got paid a lot of money to write something was when I had to eat an oyster. This, this time I had noise, which sounds like nothing, but it was a big deal to me at that time. And my job was to make it a big, to, to convey why to me, this was like, oh God, this could be the end of me if I have to eat this thing. So, you know, and so that was a small thing, but I've had bigger things too. But to, in a way, this it's just, in some ways, there, I'm not sure that there is such a big difference. Cause I've written about very personal, difficult moments and then eating the oyster. And in a way, I kind of come to see it the same. Does that make sense Absolutely. in the end? The stakes are just as high. I, I Hopefully. I think for, for you, yeah. in, as the writer, it's just you hope that that's conveyed. Yeah. The work, right? Yeah. All right. So what, okay. So this book came out, when did, this came out in October, right? Probably yeah. the first week in October would be my guess. October 19th. Yeah. Oh, oh, it just came out oh, just a couple weeks out. ago. A couple weeks. Okay. And are you going to, you know, things have, are cooling off a little bit, a little bit. Are you going to try and get out there and talk to some people and see some people? Have you already done that? I'm hoping to do shows in the spring, do okay. a tour, maybe plan a tour in the spring. Yeah. Okay. That probably, that seems, it seems you might be able to be outdoors a little bit. Do you ever do outdoors? Yeah. I think outdoors would be nice. Yeah. All right, good. So you're going to do it. And in the meantime, besides things like this, what are you doing to sort of, I don't want to say promote it, but like you want to, you know, the book's out there. You want to do something. What are you doing? Yeah, I've, been, I've been doing a lot of virtual performances and yeah. um, podcasts and things like that. But I think what I really would like to do is just start working virtual performances into my monthly calendar. Yeah. You know, doing them yeah. on Zoom and letting people come because I think it's it's fun to work out the poems in front of an audience and you are so much like a stand-up comedian it's so fun I mean it's the same language isn't it but it's true it's like you gotta guess, yeah because really your stuff is written so much with the performance in mind because like if I were to write a poem I I, I would probably just write it if I liked it I liked it but for you you gotta hear it like you gotta hear it, almost yeah. like it's a song or a, or a bit right yeah. like does it read right does it feel right and this book I guess like this collection I love you call me back because I wrote it in such isolation it really never Ooh, saw the work. so it it hasn't yeah I, I don't know like it's, hey, it's exciting are you gonna, if you start performing them are you gonna change them as you go if you don't like how they sound uh I think I do like them quite a bit yeah I'm sure if, if, if it happens it happens you know I'm not gonna stop it from happening good good yeah you gotta let it go man yeah you gotta let it go all right, uh, Sabrina, you're you're a fun person to talk to. Uh, this is great. Uh, congratulations on the book. I'm not done with you yet. So, uh, if people are so you have a 
it's interesting. I Googled you. Your website is not coming for this. All these other things that come up before your website. This is fame such as it is. Okay. But somewhere down there is your website. And that is what? What's the place to go? Oh, it's sabrinabename.net. Right. But okay. really, I think we all just operate on social media these days. So at badass underscore sab. <laughs> I know. I know. But that's my social media on Twitter and Instagram. And Okay. Yeah. All right. You're a badass. It's okay. You can just, just own it. Uh, okay. So social media, badass underscore SAB, right? SAB, yeah. Okay. Um, all right. I got one more question for you, Sabrina. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to finish this sentence. If writing, all the writing you've done since you're just a wee lass, all the writing has taught you anything, it's taught you what? Oh, you got to get weird. You got to get weird. All right, I've asked that question a thousand times. That's the first time someone told me they got to get weird. What do you mean? Explain yourself. Like, you got to get weird in your work. You got to let the writing uh, take take you somewhere you didn't think you were going to go. And when you get there, you kind of got to let yourself loose, you know? I like it. I like it. Sabrina, thank you so much. This was a lot of fun. Thank you. I had so much fun. What do you think? You got to get weird, huh? I think that's pretty good. I think that's pretty good. Just don't think you know where it's going. Don't think you know. It's going to go where it goes. Be surprised. Yes, you got to be surprised. You got to be, I don't know how else to do this. All right. Well, listen, that was fun, wasn't it? Wasn't she cool? She's a very nice person, very interesting person. And uh, I'm glad I got to talk to her and I got to share it with you. So, uh, I want to thank my producer, R.J. Jeffries, as always. You're awesome, my friend. And to all of you out there, well, you know, go find something you love to do and get a little weird while you're doing it. Why not? Why not?